this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we don't make a big deal out of it anymore because we don't talk about uh, episode numbers, but this is a big deal. This is episode 400. Here it is. Awesome. I don't we know just... what you get somebody for 400, you know, your 400th anniversary. <sighs> well, jeez, uh, it feels like we just had 300, right? That was the uh, Dig Me Out book review yeah wasn't it it was that yeah the for and then 200 was wow. of course use your illusion one and two so uh yeah we didn't we don't you know keep track on the show of what episodes we're doing spoiler alert, it's so that i can rearrange episodes without having to worry about the number being <laughs> off <laughs> if i have to but uh so this is number 400 and to help us celebrate the 400th episode of dig me out from our patreon group of patrons bradley mellenbacher brad welcome to the show oh hello thank you for having me and uh and happy birthday that's amazing little podcast is all grown up to 400 (laughs) yeah it's like one of those sea turtles that lives for a couple centuries uh tell everyone the album you picked let's just get into it I picked uh, Half Dead and Dynamite by Lifter Puller. Why'd you pick it? Because um, I had to pick something. And, <laughs> True. <laughs> and, uh, and I love this album, and it's one that I've been listening to a lot lately. And um, just thinking about what you guys cover and what you do, uh, it seems like I've never heard you cover uh, a Lifter Puller or anything kind of similar. So I was wondering what you guys thought of it and thought it would be fun to hear. Now, was this something that you came to that you you heard when it came out or did you come to this later i came to this later i think along with a lot of people uh being a hold steady fan and then just like looking into the band and finding this um when i was i was on tour with a band uh, in 2006 and 7 and those guys uh were from boston and saw lifter puller uh back in the day and they played hold steady for us in the van and my brother and i like flipped out and basically for that for those two six weeks tours like we listened to nothing else but hold steady and then it became lifter puller and that was and this is my favorite album out of out of all the stuff that we listened to Uh, so that's how i got to it what what was the name of the band um i i played drums in harry and the potters and i play guitar and sing with my brother and draco and the malfoys we sing songs about the harry potter books at libraries it's like Scrappy indie rock, but just about the Harry Potter books. <laughs> is it ki- is it kid friendly? It's it's kid friendly, but it's um, loud rock and roll. So there's no swearing, like you know, yeah. kids are. There's lots of kids at the shows, but we're loud. Nice, <laughs> that's Sounds awesome. Fun. Kids can handle it's rock and super roll. Super fun. They can. Yeah, yeah, they love it. They want to dance around and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know go nuts, just like uh, just like we do. Yeah, they like loud things. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and being loud in libraries too—that was really fun. So was... I gotta ask Jay. Jay, I know you were—I know you've heard the whole study. I don't know how much you've gotten into their catalog, but 
was lifter puller on your radar it was i don't think i listened to this record i don't remember which record i went back and listened to after i got into the whole city but uh i was aware of the band and the similarities and uh had revisited some of the material okay so a little bit of trivia before we get into the history here so mm-hmm. the hold steady is is craig finn and tad kubler who also play in lifter puller they mm-hmm. also it was also with uh, bobby drake france nikolai and galen holovica i don't know how you say that last name of course i'm going to mm-hmm. slaughter it i gotta slaughter one name per episode it's just how it goes so when france nikolai left the band they added yeah. another guitar player right steve selvage Mm-hmm. Jay Steve Selvage played in drum roll please big ass truck. Oh wow, okay. He was the guitar player and and uh, singer of Big Ass Truck, which we reviewed many, many, many oh. hundreds of episodes ago. And that oddly, maybe not oddly enough, that remains one of our most listened to episodes. Huh. Probably thanks to Hold Steady fans. Yep. Maybe. And of course, he also, after Hold Steady, he played in Lucero, which is another band that people might know. But uh, yeah, there's the connection between Hold Steady and Dig Me Out <laughs> via Big Ass Truck. Awesome. One of my favorite band names. I enjoy the, I believe Jay did not enjoy that record very much. But uh, they're one of our few disagreements over the years. And then uh, Lifter Puller, just so people know. Or are aware Minneapolis band formed in 94 were active until 2000 and then they've gotten it back together to play some shows here and there uh over the years but as mentioned uh Craig Finn and Ted Kubler moved on to the Hold Steady which put out their first record in 2004 was almost killed me was the year that that came out so the band put out uh, three albums, Lifter Puller, self-titled in 1997. Uh, is that right? 1997? Yeah. Um, it's right around there. Yeah. yeah. And then Half Dead and Dynamite. That was also released in 1997. Is that right? They... Either, yeah, either seven or eight. Okay. Uh, and then Fiestas and Fiascos in 2000. They had an EP out in 1998 called The Entertainment Arts and then there was a compilation that came out in 2002 called Soft Rock. And they had some singles with B-sides and that kind of stuff. So that is the uh and then besides Finn and Kubler, you have Steve Barone on guitar and then also uh keyboards for um this record. And then And you know I'm I'm not sure. I think Tad came into the band after this record. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they had a different bass player. I'm not sure of his name, but uh, I think Craig is the only one on Half Dead. Tommy Roach. uh, From, yeah, there you go. Tommy Roach was the bass player on this, so Tad and Craig had not hooked up officially yet. And then, um, the original drummer was Dave Gerlach up until '96, and then '97, Dan Monick became the drummer and Hmm. was for all three of the records as well as the EP that came out. Um, at some point, the band relocated to Boston. Is that right? Yeah, that's uh, my friend in Harry and the Potters. Paul went to uh, school in Boston and, and high school in the area and, uh, and told me that he saw them a bunch back then. Okay. 
And then at some point between 2000 and 2004, uh, Craig and Tad relocated to Brooklyn, and that's where the Hold Steady formed. Mm -hmm. I guess at a bar. They were having a discussion at a bar (laughs) with the bartender. That sounds about right. And uh, one of them had just watched The Last Waltz and said, why aren't there bands like that anymore? We should do that. And that's how the Hold Steady was formed. And that bartender became, well, not became, but that bartender was uh, Galen Polovica, or however you say it. Oh, cool. was the bass player. That's awesome. I hadn't heard that. So we had one comment over at Patreon. Gavin Reed. He said, really happy someone has suggested this, as I would have anyway. I only heard them after the Hold Steady and remember thinking how similar they sounded uh well gavin red beach to it so <laughs> have to with your multiple picks next year you'll have to come up with something else yeah. uh actually gavin's we've got a pick coming up from gavin soon and he might be joining us for that one i oh. will uh we'll tease Can that pick out the later. self-titled yeah <laughs> um all right let's get into this record half dead and dynamite Apparently, one of two records that came out in 1987, very 70s of them, to do mm-hmm. so, according to the Wikipedia, unless the Wikipedia is wrong, which there is a possibility of that being incorrect. Jay, I'm going to start with you. One thing you liked about mm. Half Dead and Dynamite by Lift Puller. Well, you got to love the vocals. I mean, he's oh. unlike anybody from a vocal standpoint. Um one of the things that makes the whole study work um and i think that makes the thing that makes this band worth listening to for the most part uh, musically you know it's it maybe doesn't stand out as much uh without the distinct vocal approach i do like the uh use of keyboards on the record uh they're at times very odd yeah the choices they make but it definitely uh fills out the sound and can create some some drama and some darkness that i think the record needs a little bit here and there but yeah I, I, if you like the whole study uh from a vocal standpoint you like that kind of approach you like unique vocals i mean i think that's this record's a win from that standpoint he's an original So, Brad, let me ask you before I I give mine. um, Sure. You came to this after hearing the Hold Steady. Were you immediately interested in this when you heard it? Um, I was, yeah. I was interested in it, and it took a while for it to, like, for for my love for it to be on par with those Hold Steady records. It was was a bit of a grower, and and this one ended up, I, I like this one, I think, more than 
more than the rest of them. Maybe maybe one or two of the whole steady records, but um, yeah, I like it a lot. I was I feel like with the hold steady the the vocals are incredibly unique, but the music is really good, straightforward rock and roll. Uh, and this, it's kind of the same approach. Like the songs are really interesting in uh, their structure. There's not, you know, just verse, chorus, bridge. And right. the uh, the instruments, like in the Hold Steady, the unique thing is the vocals. And I think in Lifter Polar, all of the instruments are kind of doing something a little weird. It's sort of like leaning in the same direction, but the drums are also often like not what I'd pick as a drummer. Um, and it's things that I kind of, that kind of bug me when drummers do, uh, like being kind of too clever and too cute and not just hitting the two and four, um, and being a little busy, but for some, somehow it all fits together and it really, really works. And I love his drumming on this record and I feel the guitar and to the lesser extent, the bass works similarly of like kind of things that, like you were saying with the keyboards, they make odd choices, but it fits. Um, so I think it's just kind of interesting choices that fit together really well to make some really good songs. Uh, and then Craig Finn just does his Craig Finn thing, and he's always done it as good as he does it, you know? Um, so I love this record. I, I'm glad you mentioned the the drumming specifically, but just overall, the the thing that I really liked about this record in comparison to The Hold Steady, The Hold Steady is very much like just this anthemic you know, big rock band in comparison to this, whereas this is the, you know, if you're used to listening to just sort of mainstream rock and roll, Craig Finn's vocals are just so out there, not just his, the sound of his voice, but his delivery, the way that he phrases things, the way that he rhymes things, his rhyme schemes are even weird that he doesn't mm -hmm. rhyme the way that normal, you know, songwriters rhyme he'll rhyme like in the middle of the sentence as opposed to the end of this, the line. And it's just this, and it's a weird, much more like poetic and, and literary way of writing lyrics. And I feel like all that weirdness is complemented so well by all the weird things that are going on musically on the record, which not that I, it's, it's really weird because it's, if you compare the lifter polar and the hold steady, they're really like other than what Craig Finn's doing, they're very different bands and he's the only unifying factor, but they both work mm -hmm. really well in their own ways. And so his like more anthemic choruses really work well in the hold, hold steady. Whereas his sort of narrative driven, weird, mm -hmm. you know, violent lyrics and, and about druggies and, bars and it, it the music yeah. matches that in this I weird agree. disjointed uh you know way and the, and the drum like you mentioned with the drumming like the drumming sounds like it's like falling apart at times and you're just like what is he doing and but it's yeah. it matches so well with these stories that he's weaving so uh yeah i totally get where you're you know would appreciate everything that's going on here as opposed to uh, sort of the cleaner, I guess, sounds of, of mm -hmm. the whole study. So Jay, I, I'm curious and you, you might you mentioned it too, Brad with the drumming. That's, that's something that, you know, comes up a lot. We mentioned it during the 
Posey's episode that Mike Musburger mm-hmm. was doing a lot of stuff that was like, you know, taking some risks, playing like a lot of big fills and, and stuff like that. Whereas here, I don't know how to describe it other than it sounds like it's falling apart at times. Is there a yeah. like a, a method to that? Or is that like... He has little things that he does a lot. Um, so I don't know if it's like a method. It's just like he tends to be busy with his bass drum uh, where one person would just hit one hit. He does like a little pattern. He does that a lot. He doesn't just like land on the two and four, just like a regular drum beat very often. So when he does land, it's a lot more effective. I kind of feel like right after Craig says, I got some kicks in in Nassau Coliseum, he just goes to a very straight beat and it just like lifts that section of the song or just puts a punctuation mark on it in a way uh, that's really satisfying. And I think it wouldn't be as effective as he w- if he wasn't doing something weird for the three minutes before that happens. Wrapped up in I felt in listening to it that I was hearing like, and I'm, I'm not super familiar. I've only listened to the records a couple times, but in in terms of like earlier pavement, mm-hmm. like it kind of had that sort yeah. of like ramshackle kind of feel to the you know to what the, the yeah uh, when the, their first drummer Gary Young there, yeah, I see a lot of similarities. Just kind of not necessarily playing what a 70s classic rock drummer would have played. Right. Which is nothing against the Hold Steady, but that's what the Hold Steady does. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a song like Half Dead and Dynamite, one of the things I like about it is that uh, they actually, they open up some space in that song to, yeah. to appreciate the drums. And I, and I think that's when this band works the best is when they create some space with the rest of the instruments. So it's a bit, it's a drum vocal focus. And the guitars are kind of atmospheric or like accent. Um, so in that song, they do it in uh, "To Live and Die" and "LBI." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when the sound, for me, it, it works really well. The the keyboard in "Half Dead and Dynamite" is it is so bizarre. Yeah, I, I, it's like straight off of a fifty dollar Radio Shack Casio pre-programmed keyboard i mean that is it's like they went to the radio shack that day and picked up a keyboard and recorded in studio i don't i don't know that it's pretty ballsy to Mm -hmm. put that on a record and be like yep that's our keyboard sound (laughs) (laughs) well i feel the same way about his vocals like yep that's our guy (laughs) spewing weird poetry about druggies 
I was picturing Tim pl- trying to pull off that keyboard part in one of our bands, and now <laughs> oh, the oh. stink eye he would have gotten. Yeah, just imagine me being like, guys, we call this uh, 80s roller <laughs> rink. <laughs> That's the keyboard sound of going. Yeah, you were saying, uh, talking about the space, and um, it reminded me, I was reminded of television, uh, like listening to this a lot and trying to think of what it reminded me of. And I think that space and like the guitars not necessarily just crunching in on like power chords, but doing weird lines um, that kind of let everything breathe. And like, like you said, let the vocals come out with the drums. But um, yeah. Oh, I, you know, that's a good comparison television because there's a lot of like noodling that mm-hmm. television does that I think to some people... To some people, it just sounds like noodling. And then when you listen to it over over again, you realize, oh, these are like patterns that they're, you know, yeah, intermingling the these parts. multiple guitar parts. And it's really actually much more complex than just dude soloing for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Um, but there's there's some aspect of that in in some of the songs like like Cool and Cool NYC and, and I Like mm-hmm. the Lights. They have some of those like leads. I know like Craig Finn's playing guitar, but I, I can't imagine he's doing too much noodling around while he's singing. I mean, that's got to be pretty hard. I got to imagine that Steve Barone is carrying the bulk of the guitar playing. Um, yeah, no, watch. Uh, I've never seen Lifter Puller live, but watching Hold Steady, that's what he does. He kind of like holds the guitar in front of him and waves his arms around. And then when when there's time to when there's a when there's a part in the song that has two guitar parts, then he'll be there. And they're usually kind of strummy. Yeah. Not necess- not all the time, but. And I, I don't know if you watched that um, clip I had sent you. There's uh, them on Jenny Jones playing the Bears off of this um, on YouTube you can find. But yeah, he, that's basically, I think the, the other guitarist takes most of it. So Jay, let me ask you, what did not work on this record for you? Mm. Uh, it might be a grower for me. I, I, I kept comparing it to Hold Steady, which is probably one of the everybody's going to go through this when they get into this band. Yeah. In some ways, these can these can come off initially as like demos of Hold Steady songs. If you you know kind of think of it that way, like early versions of an idea that aren't quite there. I think the thing I struggle with the most is the the band just doesn't sound full sometimes. Like they don't quite sound finished or, and maybe that's the idea, but like the way the second guitar is used is not real clear. Um, sometimes the, um, the guitar, the lead guitar part is really cool. Other times it's like unnecessarily 
annoying or complicated. Uh, the bass can pop through sometimes and be really uh, pretty cool sounding. Like I actually thought this band at, t- at times musically at least sounds a little bit like Girls Against Boys. Like there's this menacing kind of grindy bass tone that happens on uh, the Gin and Sour Defeat and Half Dead and Dynamite. And when you mix in some of that synth from an atmospheric standpoint, you know, that was a band that just came to mind. There's like a cinematic quality to the second half of this record that it gets a little darker and I think it sounds better. Um, I think the keyboard, one of the reasons why I like it is that it, it fills out the sound that I wish the second guitar was, was doing other times. Um, so it's really, it just sounds like to me, just sonically not quite complete or as tight and full as it, as I would like it to. And maybe that's just me comparing it to, you know, whole Steady's kind of a, a powerhouse yeah. when it comes to that. So, but yeah, th- I think that was my biggest, um, my biggest issue overall with the record. So I, I just want to, before I go into it, I, I, I forgot to mention this up front. This is one of the few bands that when you do a search on them, there is still an angel fire <laughs> website dedicated to this band <laughs> that like has their discography plus bootlegs. Oh, wow. There, there are bootlegs you can track down like radio and concert bootlegs. So if you're looking for some live old study bootleg information, go to angelfire.com slash planet slash lifter puller, all consonants, no vowels. And uh, you'll get yourself a, a heaping bunch of information. Okay. That said, I agree with you. I think one of the, I think it's more the production is not what I want to hear. Uh, and maybe again, it's colored by the fullness of the hold steady records. It's the way that they're produced is a bigger sound, but there is this sort of, there's a lot of clean and, or very lightly distorted guitar stuff on this record. And I feel like with the subject matter matter of his lyrics, I'd like things to be a little scuzzier and a little dirtier. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it would benefit the song. Whereas uh, a lot of times it's just like too clean and too um, unaffected. Like I don't even need it to be like heavy. I just need it to be like weirder. I think. Yeah. Maybe some of weirder effects on the guitars or like Jay was saying with regards to the bass tone, like maybe like even a, a darker, heavier bass tone, a little more oomph in it because, uh, you know, when I, one of the things I think of in terms of structuring lyrics as a narrative, I, my, my mind was going to like Nick cave and Nick cave will write these really in depth, you know, lyrical narratives and, and with characters and tell these stories. And then I think about like Warren Ellis doing all this like crazy stuff behind him on a lot of that, a lot of those songs and all the insane guitar trickery he's up to, whether it's, and sometimes it's, you know, distorting a violin or a viola as a guitar part. And like the stuff that he did with grinder, man, that's even pushes that even farther. I just, I, that's the thing I was, you know, the songs are there. They're, they're what I want lyrically where I can just kind of like sit back and go into this weird Craig Finn world, this dark underbelly of, of, uh, (laughs) 
Minnesota in the 1990s. The I just wish the music was matching him a little bit more. There's a, there's interesting stuff here and there, and the you know the keyboard choices take them or leave them. They're they're interesting and they're they do some unexpected things. I just wish there was a little more oomph. I think from yeah. the from the rest of the band. I don't know. Is that does that sound reasonable, Brad? Yeah, it does. I I feel like the way that it sounds is is deliberate. Like I don't think that they were trying to go for. Um, I think they were trying to leave that space there, and I, I think they. I get the sense that they achieved what they set out to achieve. But I get your points, though. My one complaint about the album is the closing song is "Rock for Light Bright," and it comes right after "Viceberg," which is kind of like a long pretty big and pretty dark song and then rock for light bright is just like a fine lifter puller song right it, it almost sounds like uh, a hold steady song a little bit it took me a long time of listening to the record because the version that i listened to has live songs after it yep and it took me a long time to like catch that it was over like it just sounded like another one of the songs like oh i'm still going and it feels like there's other ones that would have been that have an ending to them that would have closed out the record a little bit better. But that's my one one gripe. one of the things that the uh that they're trying that they that this record does that uh makes it even more challenging maybe for where tim and i are hearing is there's a lot of slow songs on here mm-hmm. um and, and whenever you play slow you got to fill that space so a whole study has less slow songs <laughs> uh they're <laughs> more of a tempo band you know so it just from that standpoint alone like the same approach could sound very different depending on the tempo you're playing in. Um, so I, I wonder if that's another aspect of it for me that um, I just, I like him in an up-tempo kind of driving rhythm too. I think his vocal delivery works really well there um, where he's, you know, just skipping across the, 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 the rhythm or he's a little bit behind, like the band is propelling forward and he's pulling it back with that kind of draw delivery that he has. Um, when the when the band goes super slow, all of a sudden the space opens up, and I think that's what I was saying. The the times it really works for me then is when the drummer is the focus because mm-hmm. he's doing something that you can kind of grab onto and is meaty and um, you can kind of get. So I, I think the tempos are maybe part of the part of the issue for me as well. Yeah, I don't feel like you needed two six minute long songs. That right, it sounds like the drummer for like parts of Nassau Coliseum doesn't know what to do. So, so he huh. just starts doing like big fills and like, 
out of nowhere and you're like, huh, okay, <laughs> that was a choice that you made. Like, it, it, I, it's, again, they're interesting choices musically and I don't fault them for yeah. making them, but there are times in that song where I'm just like, oh, just go to double time, please. Just just kick it in. Just Let's just oh, go. I, I disagree. I love that one. Um, I agree that like there's a little bit too many. I uh, think like Weisberg could definitely be shorter. And um, Cool New York City, like I think, benefits from the fact that it's a minute 40 seconds. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think Nassau Coliseum set up again, like does what it set out to do, one hundred and fifty percent, and it does drag. But uh, I don't know. Cool. I think it's intentional. Cool <laughs> New York NYC is funny, and it, it starts off with this almost like disco kind of setup. You're like, yeah. wow, where are we going with this? And then it just cuts. <laughs> it's like <laughs> boom, not the song. You know, we're gonna give yeah. you a minute of a. You know, a, pulsa- a pulsating uh, kick drum and then yeah. just drop it. And I'm then like, just, okay. uh, a, yeah, a minute and 42 <laughs> seconds of him singing very slowly about a guy lighting a cigarette. And that's it. Right. Like, and then the song's over. I do agree with you on the end of the record. Viceberg should have been the last song. Yeah. And Rock for Light Bright should have been moved up. Like, there's no reason mm-hmm. to stick that at the end because it sounds like an afterthought. Whereas... Rock for Light Break could have been up towards the first half of the record. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a good little song. I do like that they kept, uh, you know, the majority of these tracks pretty, pretty tight. Mm-hmm. That uh, it, I think it helps him rein in, him in as a songwriter and as a lyricist. And he, he gets through his stories a little bit, you know, more concise. But there's yeah, for, for having two, two six minute long songs on it and the record still comes in under 40. Yeah. Um, with 11 songs on it. The Hold Steady found some success in the 2000s with with Craig Finn as the lead singer. So clearly his vocal is not a problem in terms of mm-hmm. finding an audience. Lifter Puller, on the other hand, is like one of the great like bands that in terms of, oh, you've heard of Lifter Puller? Like they're one of those bands. Yeah. Very few people have heard of them, but the people who have heard of them you know, you know, love the records and stuff like that. So let me ask you guys, was, was Craig Finn just ahead of his time in terms of him being accepted in, in the unique way that he sings and the unique sound of his voice and, and his way that he writes, or was it that the band backing him wasn't right for whatever college radio this is 1997. You know, I don't think this is getting played on WMMS in Cleveland. There's not yeah. really a single for, you know, you know what I'm saying? So was it just a matter of people catching up with him or did, was this just a opportunity missed in the 2000s or in the nineties that maybe, maybe if they had been on, you know, uh, say a bigger label or something. Yeah. This was on, what's this on? It was on Restless Records. So. So I, I think that the Hold Steady is an easier sell uh, than this band because they're so like just straight ahead, like the best Kiss record or something like that. Um, but then you have this weird vocal on top of it. So it's something that people already love. Like, do you love good rock and roll? 
like here's this and then there's this weird thing and it's a little bit of you know uh honey with your medicine whereas lifter puller it's all just kind of weird but also they were pretty popular uh and they had people come into their shows like in their hometowns uh, especially minneapolis they had a, a bit of a following so when people heard them they liked them uh, but it is like it's just it's a I'm not sure how I would explain it to a radio, you know, programmer or director to put it on their their station, whereas hold steady, like there's a pitch right there and it gets people listening to it. I think the yeah, pitch the- would be uh it, it's kinda like Jarvis Cocker and uh, and Nick Cave had a baby yeah. and uh their you know, their kid is fronting a pavement two point band. Like I how do you sell Craig Finn without actually yeah. hearing him like it's it's right he's impossible to uh to explain to someone yeah the the guy from the happy monday is like just observing and not partaking right <laughs> jay where we yeah i don't know say there well i was just going to build on the point and say that uh hold steady it's uh it, it's a contrast you know it's a sweet and salty it's you know a, a anthemic rock songs but with this vocal approach, which on paper you would never think works, but it works um, almost in like a modern day, you know, young at the time, younger version of like Bruce Springsteen, where you, you've got that anthemic kind of backdrop song storytelling, um, a new Americana almost kind of folky approach to lyrics, but it's fun rock and roll. Um so, you know, in that regard, I think it just commercially those types of things tend to be easier to work with, whereas this is, you know, it's challenging musically and vocally. Right. I'd be curious to know, you know, the the, the whole city kind of break sort of broke through with their second was it the second album? The third album had Chips Ahoy, Boys and Girls in America. Yeah. And Yeah, that that one got a lot of attention. That's the one that got them a lot of attention and then I I think the album that I actually like discovered them. I think Chips Ahoy. I heard that that song, and then actually bought uh, the follow up album, which was Stay Positive, which has mm-hmm. Constructive Summer and and Stay Positive and Sequestered in Memphis, which were all singles. I'm curious because of that, you know, mid two thousands release. Like how many? I know they charted okay, but I'm curious what they actually sold. Hmm. And like, you know, CD sales were on the decline. So was that all through, not all through, but there was like a lot of iTunes sales, I'm sure. So just be curious if that, if those records had been released in like when these Lifter Puller albums were released, you know, if they would have sold like four hmm. or five million copies in, you know. Oh, oh here it is. Wow. Okay. Stay positive. How many do you think it's sold? Roughly. Uh, I need a point of reference for that time because record yeah. sales. 2008. The July of 2008 it was released. And that's stay, stay positive. Uh, maybe a couple hundred thousand. 88. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would have said like, oh, maybe two, three hundred thousand. Yep. So, it's all takes now. Right. And it made it to... Number 30 on the Billboard 200 with 88,000 hmm. total 
copies, and that's a well, it's total copies sold of of the first two years. I'm sure it's sold, of, you know, since then, but it's probably not. Maybe pushed it to a hundred thousand at most. I'm sure after that, it's now just getting spin, you know, or uh, not spin, but uh, streams mm-hmm. on on various locations. So, all right, let's talk about our dreaded but beloved rating system. <laughs> Where the album better EP decent single. Where do we land on this record? Brad, I know this is a worthy record for you. It's an album. Okay. Just move up rock for late break. <laughs> <laughs> Just make one small adjustment. Yeah. Jay, when I'm happy. where do you land? I've got an EP. Uh, I like the second half a lot better than the first half of the record. Huh. Um, sure. (laughs) Sherman city is my, the song I like the most on the first half. And then I like half dead and dynamite, the bears headwear and the gin and sour defeat. And that is my EP. Mm, Interesting. No, Nassau Coliseum. (laughs) Jay does not like the slow song. I I like the end of that when he starts mentioning when he, the bills of the tempo and he starts going through all the cities. But then I also have a pet peeve about people who use city names and songs. Okay. (laughs) I I find that patronizing. Like it's. And and I read an interview where they asked him about that and he said that it was, it was patronizing. Um, They didn't have a ton of fans at the time and those were all cities where his friends lived. So he was just like doing a little shout out. I know people love it, but when I hear it, I'm like, oh, they're going for a cheap one there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not exactly Huey Lewis. (laughs) It's not the heart of rock and roll. Right. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) the heart of rock and roll is in Ybor City. Yeah. (laughs) This is a tough one. I. I'm right at the edge of like an EP album. I'm but about eight songs. So I guess I'm at a seventies album. Hmm. Cause but those eight songs probably put me at like 30 minutes. So, uh, now I, I guess I'm at an album. I'm at a worthy album cause I'm at eight, eight tunes. Um, I, I, it comes down to Craig Finn. Yeah. I just get entranced by the Craig Finn world. And, uh, when I hear what he has to say. So, on a couple of the tunes where I feel like it drags, that's where I'm the band and and him kind of lose me. Um, I'm with Jay though. I, I would drop both the six minute songs. I don't, I I understand the appreciation for Nassau Coliseum, but it just does not at that length. It is a, it is a dirge. It's a bit of a dirge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, slight. I'm, I'm, not at a full record in in the way that you are, but not quite at an EP where Jay is. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Worthy Album because that's eight songs qualifies. So we've never we've never really um, quantified the, and I don't think anybody ever has the, what goes, what makes an EP not an album <laughs> and vice versa in terms of uh, number of tracks. There you have it. So Brad, thank you for bringing this record to us on episode oh, no 400. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I'll and see you next year. <laughs> thank you for supporting the podcast. And uh, oh, My pleasure. Where where can people find you out on the socials? Do you do that sort of thing? 
Um, a little bit. Um, I have, you know, you can find me on Facebook, <laughs> search for Brad Mellenbacker. Um, and I have a YouTube channel, uh, that you can find under Bradley Malfoy. I haven't posted on a while, but I've been doing like weird owl covers on ukulele on there. And, um, and also Drake on the Malfoys is, uh, at we weird, uh, excuse me, evilwizardrock.com, and you can find our shows and stuff. That's who has that. I was trying to get that yeah. URL. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> and and next year, Harry and the Potters are releasing a record that I'm playing drums on early next year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we actually recorded with the guy from uh, Papas Fritas over the summer, and it was super fun. My wife is going to be super excited because she's a huge Harry Potter nerd. Awesome. I've never read a single book. Okay. So I've been waiting for my daughter to become the age in which we can sit down and like read the books together. A couple years off from there, I'll yeah. eventually I'll get to them. Yeah. No. Uh, enjoy. It's they're they're good. Jay, they're have good you read books. any Harry Potter or has? Is there um, a... I've I've seen the movies and Zora and Courtney have written uh, read I think half the books and we went to Harry Potter Land this summer at Universal Studios. And I think my wife was more nerd, nerding out than my daughter was. <laughs> nice. It's actually really, really well done. It's yeah. A fun trip. It is. All right. Well, I want to remind people that they can also join us at Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. For Jay, I am Tim. And we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Jumped.